The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight. You're listening to The Forum at eight. And I've got the best studio in the country today. You absolutely have to be here today. And do look at our Twitter page. We are uh, tweeting some pictures. It's going to be on Facebook as well, just to show you what I'm looking at this morning. And it is an absolutely gorgeous spread. I don't think I've seen as much whiskey and wine, or rather whiskey, I'm saying wine and, uh, and champagne do we have this morning. We've got a selection of cakes. We've got some sweet rolls and uh, meats, lots of things that you can eat today. Today. And of course, it's all to discuss what you're going to be making for this festive season. Cooking inspiration and ideas that you may have. That's what you can uh, share with us on the forum this morning. We've sourced the best that Joburg has to offer. And they're in our studios this morning to offer you some helpful advice. Or perhaps you need some tips on how to get started, get ready for the festive season. What do you want to make from food to wines to desserts? We've got it all covered today. You can also post your recipes for us, techniques or menu plans, including those tips on our Facebook page SAFM AM Live. Tweet us on AM Live on SAFM. Alternatively, give us a call right now, 891 SMS on 34701, and tell us what you need from us. And, uh, well, who are us, I guess, is the question this morning. And I've got in studio, Tsepo Lebise, Executive Chef of Browns at Ravonia Restaurant. Uh, Tsepo, good morning. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, Tsepo, you've brought along uh, Ziyanda, that's right? Ziyanda Tutu. She's also from, you're also from Browns. But you're going to be focusing on the wine today for us, right? Yes, I'm the cellar master Brown. So you're going to help us pair exactly what we need uh, in the food with our wines. Ian Knox uh, joins me, the executive chef at Giles Restaurant and Bar in Johannesburg. Ian, good morning. Thank you for your time. Morning, thanks. And I've also got Dayan Faree, owner of Cafe Picabella in Melville. Picabella is almost legendary when you talk about it. I think everyone knows of, of the legend of Picabella. Is that right? Thank you. Dan, we really appreciate your time. Everyone's brought in their selection of food, so we're going to get them to talk about what you can make this festive season, how to make it, and uh, my bugbear this festive season has been to duckin, and I just think it's an absolute abomination. It's violating a turkey with a chicken and a duck. So I, I don't know. If you're cooking to duckin or any other exotic meats, you can tell us as well. Three four seven zero one. How to cook them? Oh eight nine one one zero four two eight. Uh, our chefs will help you. Tsepo, I'd like to start with you. You're open this festive season. Uh, some of the guys lucky enough to be closed over the festive <laughs> season. So really, we, we put you under pressure to come in this no, morning. No, definitely it is. So, I mean, how, how easy is it or how difficult is it to, to, to be open during this time of year? No, it is quite uh, difficult, you know, trying to spend time with family, you know, and trying to be able to work and please your customers. So it can be very difficult to do that. And what what is it? I mean, matching the expectation of your of your customers. What what are people expecting right now? I mean, obviously we get the different the kind of different clientele we have right now. It's not our normal kind of clientele we have. So we have a family orientated kind of people right now. People are not coming there for for business reasons. So it's very laid back right now. Hence, you know, the kind of menu we've introduced now over the Christmas. It's quite uh, relaxed, uh, quite uh, homely, communal kind of uh, cooking you would get. And Zianda, an important part of that is to pair the wine with what you're eating, right? Absolutely. And the, the important thing is that people feel comfortable with what it is that they're drinking. So my job is then obviously to pair the food with the wine, but more importantly is to pair the wine with the person. The person has to be happy with the wine that they're going to be drinking on that particular day. I, I, want, I want to know something. Is there an absolute rule that you can't have a red wine with chicken, for example. It has to be white wine with your white meat. Absolutely not. Um, 
it's, it's a lot more involved. It's more about weight, not necessarily red with white. That is one of the guidelines. It's not a rule. And for me, the most important thing when it comes to food and wine pairing is that you must enjoy what it is that you're drinking, what it is that you're eating. I always say that if you enjoy drinking a particular wine while you eat a packet of knickknacks and you watch Isidingo, go for it. <laughs> Ziad, there's some interesting advice there. Thank you very much for joining us. Ziad and Tempo both from uh, Browns joining us this morning, Browns of Ravonia. Ian, uh, you're from uh, Giles Restaurant, lucky enough to be closed during the festive season in a fortunate position, I'm sure. Yep. It's a testament to the restaurant, really, isn't it? Well, the thing is, we always look at uh, this time of year, Joburg's like mass exodus. Everyone goes to the coast, and Joburg's like one of the best places to be at this time of year because you can actually drive on the roads without having any issues. Um, but, yeah, we've, been, we've had a great festive season, and we just sort of thought, let's take this time and let's just you know, bu- buckle down and get ready for the new year. And, Dan, are, are you closed over the festive season? You know, the whole Malvo vibe never closes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're one of those traditional Marble cafes that just stay there for the people. And as Ian was saying, a lot of people leave. But there's also a lot of people that stay behind. And if you're driving or walking in Joburg, everybody who's here has got a certain look on their eyes that says, yeah, we know it's cool <laughs> over <laughs> December. And, um, yeah, we stay open. A lot of families come, uh, um, as they were saying. You know, it's very relaxed. It's very good. And, uh, yeah, everybody is in a good mood, so that's really great. Well, speaking about seeing that migration, you've seen restaurants come and go in Melville. It's, yes. it's, it's almost that phenomenon in Melville of a new mm. restaurant opens this month, next month it's closed, yes, and yes. another one's there in the third month. Yes. Picabella's lived through all of that. Yes, we have. We've been quite fortunate, but I also just, uh, uh, I'm also uh, quite fortunate to see the whole Melville uh, revival, so to speak, because it's starting to happen again, and uh, really good shops all different kinds of shops starting to make their mark. Well, give us a call now. Do you have any questions for our guests? You've heard a little bit about them. They're from award-winning restaurants here in Johannesburg, and they've got award-winning advice for you. So give us a call, 891 If you'd like to SMS us, costs you two rand to do so. You can also tweet us, AM Live on SAFM. On Facebook, we're asking you to post your recipes there. So if you've got perhaps award-winning or should-be award-winning recipes at home, your grandmother's secret sauce recipe perhaps, share those with us and the world and of course the, uh, the, the country at large and uh, perhaps people can tell you whether it should win an award or not. You can do so on our Facebook page, SAFM AM Live. So let's start talking about what we've got here in studio. It's an absolute feast and I'm so glad to be a journalist today and a presenter here at AM Live. It's one of my favorite days. Yeah, I'm coming to work here. Uh, I, I, I'm, <laughs> actually, I, I'm actually not incredible. sure where to start. Um, let's, let's, let's start with the drinks. I, I think a lot of people want to, want to start with the drink. Is that right? Absolutely, and I'm very, very disappointed with the people who are drinking water right now. <laughs> that, that would be you, Ian, I think. Oh, Ian, Ian and Dayon, okay, so both of them with water. We're taking it easy here. Okay, it's still, still early. I mean, they're closed. They have no excuse. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting for that red wine. That's what it okay, so Zian, let's, let's start with the wine, because I, I guess a lot of people don't often take the food into account first. They, they want to drink something they like. As, as you said, it's not always about pairing, isn't it? It's just about drinking what you like. So what, what do we have here for us? Well, for me, Christmas time, the end of the year, also obviously going into New Year's, it's a celebration. And for me and for most people, sparkling wine equals celebration, or whichever way it is, celebration equals sparkling wine. 
So we've brought a local MCC, which is made in the same way as you get your champagne. And then we're doing... A local MCC? What MCC, what, what sorry, Method Cup Classic. Okay, so yeah. what, what, what does that mean? Just break that down for us. Basically, in South Africa, we're not allowed to use the word champagne. Okay. So we're making a wine that is made exactly with the same method. I wish we could tell the French not to use rooibos, because they seem to be doing that as well. But now they weren't allowed to use champagne. Brilliant. You can't Let's use port. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, absolutely. But, but, sorry to interrupt you. Okay, so we've got an MCC, a Method Cap Classique. Yes. What, what does that mean? Um, yeah, as I said, it's basically, it is like champagne, but we're making it here in South right. Africa, and we're not using the word champagne. So we're keeping it local. We've bought all, all local wines here. So is it the same as a sparkling wine? Is that the same as... Sparkling wine is then the general term that you'd use for anything with a bubble in it. So, um, yeah, it can be where they just put CO2 into it, um, where they make it exactly the same way as, as you would your champagne. So anything with a bubble in it will call sparkling wine. Okay. And then it becomes a little bit more technical as to how, how it'd be graded, like MCC, um, there are all sorts of different methods. Okay, so which which one have you brought for us today? Um, this is from Laverie, from the house of KWV. I've, I'm going to taste it while you, while you talk about it. Not not a lot. Why <laughs> haven't you tasted it already? I mean, Pip and I like ready for our I second glass. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to encourage the, the rest <laughs> of us as well. We're, we're all going to taste it, and I'm going to ask everyone what they think of it. But uh, I'm, I'm going to have, have a little sip. But but tell us a little bit about what we're doing. That is a dry one. Um, I think very nice and complex. We are South Africa making beautiful, beautiful wines. Okay, and so then what, what are we tasting here? What are you tasting? You're tasting wine. <laughs> 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 I mean, are there flavors that we should be noting? Oh, or, flavors or that you should be yeah. noting. I mean, just looking at it, it looks so beautiful. It's mm. a beautiful golden color. The bubbles are rising nicely. Are they're they're, they're right? very effervescent. Yeah. Um, so already, just aesthetically, it's, it's looking wonderful. We've got beautiful, beautiful champagne glasses. There, I was about to say, so the glass itself also helps in the production of the bubbles in a way, right? Yes. The longer the wine, uh, the wine glass or the flute is, then is the longer that your bubbles will last. Um, you get those flat ones. Which look like somebody's boobers. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just grabs herself. Well, well, all That's of what it looks like. But then, <laughs> but then, I mean, it's, it's much shorter. Right. Then the bubble doesn't have the, um, the same distance to travel up to the top. And that, the, the longer the flute is, is then going to preserve the bubble for much longer. Okay, and and champagne is this is this a good thing to start with when your guests arrive, or is it more for the after dinner meal? Champagne goes with everything. So whenever. Whenever, wherever. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do it while driving, but unfortunately not. Um, except while driving, but everything else. Do a sparkling wine. It goes with everything. Uh, and and so what I mean for you. Sparkling wine, is, is that an easy thing to pair with food? I mean, do you consider that when, when you're pairing food with it? No, definitely. I just consider on the food side, then she comes with the wine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do you taste the wine? to see No, definitely. I mean, every morning I have to make sure I have my uh, cup of coffee, which is uh, champagne. There's something about us chefs before we start cooking. Make sure that you do have a cup of coffee before you get into the mood. You know, it gets you a nice chill, and so you can definitely enjoy the cooking. So, tough life. 
Tough life. No, very easy life. <laughs> <laughs> good life. Okay, so let, let's just quickly, we've also got a red wine in here, right? So, Zianna, tell us a bit about the red wine. We've got a red wine that's Dima's Dull, Pinotage. And um, I'm actually, if you'll notice, I've served a chilled. Right now, th- that's the other one. Uh, okay. Yes. I was picking um, up I'm, I'm serving a chilled. Ah, I see. Because, I mean, it's so warm now in South Africa. I don't agree with putting ice into your wine, but I do agree with serving your red wines a little bit more chilled. And we're doing that. Tepo will obviously speak about the food, but we're doing that with a duck spring roll, a little bit of spiciness. This is a nice light red wine. You can do this by the poolside. Um, yeah. I mean, South Africa. It's a beautiful color as well, but but very uh, and very soft ta- tannin soft, sort of flavors. Easy. Not very oaky or woody. Yeah, soft and easy and fun, and I think that's what this this period is all about. It's just about being festive, not having to worry um, too much about what it is that is in your glass. And um, I, I think if you need to be impressing your guests, they really shouldn't be around you at this time. I, I agree. <laughs> it's time to relax. Diana, I mean, for, for, for some of us at home, we may not particularly like wines. We may not particularly like sparkling wines. Some, some of us like punches, for example. And I see a lot of people making punches yes. because we're very lucky to live in a country where Christmas comes during summer. So we want to, yes. we want to drink something cool as the Andes brought us a chilled red wine. But are there punches that you think we could perhaps do at this time of year? There's a lot of punches and, um, it, dep- it depends on whose flavor. But the trick to a punch is to cut your fruit a little bit small and let it sit a little bit. Also, there's very nice um, aperitifs that you can put inside of a punch that changes the whole complexity of it, um, like martini or uh, uh, um, any of those red rosso, martini rosso uh, uh, aperitifs. You put that into your punch and it just changes it all. I mean, for you, Ian, uh, a punch or do you, are you just a traditionalist? Do you like the traditional wine and the, you know, Keep it neat and simple. Look, I think a punch is a great idea, especially if you're starting with uh, like a brunch. So it's a good way to sort of ease into your day mm. instead of hitting the beers and stuff straight off the mark. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's a South African uh, rugby player who's like, oh, no, good for me. But uh, l- let's move on to food because I think we, we, it's part of the discussion as well. So a little bit about wines, things that you can drink, obviously non-alcoholic as well. But... Uh, let, let's start with you, Dan. I, I know you're going to be leaving us soon, so let's let's look at some of the uh, the Christmas meals that we can be, perhaps be cooking now. Are there, are there trends, first of all, that you're noticing? I don't really notice trends that much because I think the time of the year it's very traditional, and um, everybody kind of uh, sits with their family, and um, that flavour that comes through your family comes through in your food. So some people do experiment and try to do things a little bit differently, which is always fun. And everybody loves it. Um, so it doesn't matter what you do, you know. It's family time. So everybody must relax. Everybody must uh, just be with each other. And uh, also, you know, extend a, a little hand to somebody who doesn't have a family out there. Um, maybe do something for somebody. Well, that's something I want to get to later on in the program. I'm going to ask you, what, what do we do with our leftovers? Because someone to freeze it, and then there's a, a concern about when you freeze it, and then refreezing, <laughs> and when you should defrost, and also if you're going to give it away. And I, yeah. I'd like to find out, you know, what, what do restaurants do with their leftovers? I mean, is there an opportunity for you to, to share those leftovers this festive season? Yeah. Give us a call, 891 10428 SMS is on 34701. I'll read those out shortly. Tepo, for, for you, are you a traditionalist? when it comes to cooking for the festive season or are you experimenting on anything right no, now? I'm very experimental. Okay. Uh, with my background, I'm very 
French influence, Italian influence, Asian influence, being the, being traveled the world. So I'm not really traditional. I'm very experimental uh, kind of a chef. So I don't stick to uh, the normal techie, the normal gammon. And and well, I, I was about to ask <laughs> you. So when you experiment, does does that mean you're experimenting with with Tadakin? Because I said in the beginning, I, I just think it's it's an absolute abomination. Well, what's your thinking? <laughs> I mean, uh, look at, for example, on, I mean, I do have my uh, techies and I do have my um, gammon on my Christmas menu. But I mean, like, for example, today I brought in the duck spring roll. You right. know, it's something that a lot of... Well, let's, let's try that while you talk about <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people do like, um, you know, people that like the duck, which seems to work definitely well, you know. Uh, even if you can taste that, it's got a lot of Asian influence. I you brought it. Is it a sauce that you brought with yeah, it as well? It's a uh, blackcurrant uh, sauce. That I brought as well in there, so it's very much um, Asian uh, influence into the whole spring roll into uh, into it. So very very uh, experiential. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where does this come from? So you said it's an Asian influence. So I mean, it's not a traditional no, Christmas link, is no, it? No, no, it's not. It's not necessary. I mean, obviously you'd have set, like for example, you would have I'm pass around the spring rolls if anyone would like. You know, obviously you would have things like the the techie, the gammon, but the way I would definitely do it, I wouldn't keep it necessary tradition, because obviously I don't want to be the normal the normal chef, you know, be the normal Joe on the road, you know, just something take it a bit of a, on a different on a different level in terms of the taste, the flavors. So this is delicious. It's absolutely stunning. It's a good you know good amount of vegetables, which is what I like. The carrots and the cabbage, and then you've got the turkey inside, which is just so beautifully the done. duck. Sorry, the duck inside, which is just so beautifully done. Very tender, very moist. Mm-hmm. Now, this would be a starter. That would be as a starter, yes. And this can be done when? I mean, would you have to now prepare this the day before, or could you prepare it on the day? You could prepare it on the day, but like I say, uh, uh, when you prepare the day before, it's in the marination. You know, you want the, uh, the the sauce to be able to marinate it together. I always say it's a whole combination. It's a whole combination. The competition inside a dish when you marinate something because now a carrot has got its own flavor you know an onion itself it's got its own flavor so when you're marinating anything with anything uh, the certain uh, elements it brings out when you mix those flavors then you just definitely take the flavor on a different level Ian for you starters uh, anything that you prefer as a starter well I, I mean, mean what, what do you think of the, the duck first of all? I think it's great I mean the flavors are really amazing for me it's always been sort of a traditional I come from a Scottish background so we do that whole like seven course Christmas meal, um, which is why Giles, for example, what we've done this year, sort of played with it and tried to create like sort of finger foods. I mean, in this climate that we've got here, the last thing you really want to do is sit and have this big heavy meal. So you want to sit, you want to have some finger foods, you want to have some wine going. You, know, you want to let people take their time. I mean, Christmas Day is all about enjoying the time that you've got with each other. And for you, Dan? As he as he munches down <laughs> on, a, on a piece of the duck spring roll, it is delicious. It's really, really good. It's really good. It's really, really, really good. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you. I mean, what, what what do you think about starters right now? Is there something that perhaps we should be experimenting with? I mean, duck in a spring roll that is quite experimental. It's beautiful. It's really, really good. <laughs> he's, just, he's just awestruck. About it. it's, it's not even about the question. It's just about the food is really good. He just came here for the food. I don't, you know. <laughs> One thing you should also bear in mind is that I think in South Africa, a lot of uh, people just come and eat and they go. They don't want to experiment the whole of be able to dine for a good six, seven hours. You know, have different types of courses. You know, try different types of uh, 
elements of food, you know, him to be comparing, you know, the food and the wine and actually sit there for a good six hours and you just enjoy indulging yourself mm-hmm. in the in the food, different flavors, different textures, why certain things are done, why the the food goes very well with a certain dish, certain things that don't go with that. So again, that's that's the kind of experiment you'd get. I, yeah. I actually think that that's um that's changing. I think a lot of South Africans with the emergence of things like MasterChef and BBC Food and Food Network on, on MNET so that you know, the guys are really starting to experiment. They're putting themselves out there. They're, they're taking those risks. You know, rather than going to the spur on like a Friday night, they'll go and find a good restaurant where they can sit and try three, four different courses and try different wines and sort of broaden their horizons. Mm-hmm. I, I'm noticing we have a very male bias here in the studio, and I know it's, it's, some, it's sometimes <laughs> said, and I don't know how accurately, I don't want to vouch for this, but, but it's sometimes said men are very good in the kitchen, very good cooks at least, and uh, and, and, and my girlfriend says it's because we, we sort of like to make a big deal about everything so of course, of course when we're in the kitchen we need to make a big deal about how we cook but but Zianda, for you I mean as, as the only woman here I, w- I want you to defend this I, I'm sure you could rival any of us in the kitchen right I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I mean okay I'm not I'm not a trained chef but I can put together a meal I mean people will eat my food generally um but I'm better at opening a bottle of wine. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> wine. <laughs> well, anytime you need a bottle of wine, open, you can get a hold of Zianna. She's at Browns, and uh, she's prepared to give you some advice on how to prepare your, your, your rather pair your food with, with your wines. We'll be talking about the main courses right after this, and also looking at desserts. I've got a cake in here, which looks absolutely delicious, uh, with the festive decorations on it as well. The red leaves made out of uh, made out of sugar, is it? And uh, candy icing. Yeah, icing. Yeah, icing that's it. Icing. Sugar paste icing. So. We're going to get my vocabulary right for this day. Um, it's approaching 8.30. Going to continue our conversation with our guests. How to prepare that festive meal. Your SMS is coming up after this as well. Uh, and if you need any advice, give us a call. We've got some great chefs in here who are prepared to offer you any advice you need on how to cook turkey, duck, lamb, uh, chicken, whatever it is that you're preparing for the festive season. Or if you want to try something risky, tell us about that as well. Are you cooking perhaps ostrich or some game meat? I'd love to hear how you're doing it. And how you, what the, the reaction is going to be from your guests. You can tell us 0891104208. Your recipes on Facebook are already coming in. So go look on Facebook and have a, have a look at what South Africans are putting up there. Your tweets on AM Live on SAFM. 8.30 right now. It's your news headlines with Kirit Lala. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 25 minutes to 9 and the studio just gets busier and busier. We have unfortunately had to leave, uh, Dayon had to leave from, um, from, from Picabella restaurant, uh, Dayon Furi, who was joining us just a short while ago. But we've now got, uh, Pusaletso Matlobodi, who joins me from Nambita restaurant in Soweto. Pusaletso, did I say your name right? Yes. Thank you very much for joining us. Nambita in Soweto, renowned for its traditional African cuisine, is that right? Yes. So we're looking forward to hearing what you've brought for us today. I'm also joined on the line now by David Higgs. Uh, he's in quite an enviable position, and I can see the studio guests just lighting up because they know that name. If you don't know who David Higgs is, well, where have you been? David Higgs is from 500. It's a kitchen at the uh, Saint at the uh, Saxon, rather, which is, uh, and he is the 2013 Pellegrino Chef of the Year. David Higgs, good morning. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thanks very much. How are you? Good, thank you, David. We were just talking here, so we, really, you should be here in the studio because we're, we're having an absolute ball. We've been drinking wine. We've got some port still to drink <laughs> shortly. We've had some champagne. We've had duck spring rolls. Uh, and uh, soon enough, in from uh, Giles' restaurant, is going to be showing us some of the starters that we can make. 
But I wanted to find out from you, uh, do you, do you think there's any trends right now that we should be picking up on if we're, you know, looking at the festive season and we want to cook something a little bit special for perhaps a loved one or a family member? Look, I think, um, you know, when it comes to Christmas, and especially in, the, in SA, um, the turkey is, uh, is, is, uh, will always take pride of table. Now, I think the way you prepare the turkey is always the, uh, is always the, 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 the sort of the change or the mix in the, in, in the, in the works. And, um, a couple of years ago, I did a, um, I did a turkey on the, on a Weber, and it was probably the best way to cook a turkey, um, uh, other than the fact that sometimes a turkey is too big to fit on the Weber, which is always a bit of a hassle. So a, tur- a turkey on the braai, because, you know, and, and yeah. that sounds a bit strange for me, because the, the one big complaint from people who do make turkey at this time of year is that they cook it for too long, and then it goes incredibly dry. Exactly, exactly, and that's where the weeber is quite handy. Um, and, and and just let's just be clear, not on a brine, that'll be that'll be quite tricky. So with a with a the kettle brine that they call it, they put you you pop the lid onto, it. and um, and the, you know in essence what it does, it acts like an oven. But then it does it doesn't feel like you're cooking and spending time in the kitchen, which nothing wrong with spending time in the kitchen, but especially when the weather's good and uh, and, and everybody's outside, it's like it just to, to to pop them outside and you can actually. Um, just enjoy yourself as well. But um, what's nice about the, the weavers and, and the cookie and weavers is uh, obviously it gets an incredible flavor. And uh, and you can really, but what you really should do is just turn it down very, very slow. So you close the vents to, as much as you can and uh, and you let it cook really slowly. And it, it was, by, by, by a long shot, the juiciest turkey that I've eaten and probably the tastiest. So, so um, I think that's quite handy. So that, that's the traditional way of going. Any, anything that uh, may be a little bit left of center, something far out that uh, you've noticed this festival season? Um, look, uh, you know, we we, um, we obviously play with uh, with um, with bits and pieces. We poach it in butter, for instance. Um, you know, you speak about uh, you speak about uh, turkeys getting a little bit dry and so forth. So what we do is we actually remove the breasts and uh, we make a, we make a mince with the legs um, because that's always the biggest problem with turkeys that you you find that the breasts are cooked and then the legs are still raw and uh, and that really just has to do with the cooking. What, what you should do with the cooking and, and especially when you put it into the oven just to go off the subject quickly is to actually cook it on its side so you put it leg down instead of a breast up you put it um, on its legs actually so you, you, you turn the turkey onto its side and you actually roast it like that it's a better way of cooking it um, anyway that's a, that's a different topic but so what we do is we take the, uh, the breasts off and we poach them in butter. We literally, <laughs> you literally submerge them in butter and you cook them very, very slowly. It'll probably kill you two days later. But uh, Sounds very healthy, I was about to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. um, so, so, you know, the, what that does is it's got incredible flavor. Obviously, you just want to use obviously decent, good uh, farm butter that's got loads of flavor, um, which is really nice. And the other way to do it, of course, is to just to wrap it in, the, in beautiful bacon and, and, and then roast it very, very slowly in the oven. And those flavors sort of just leach in sort of slowly. As it, it almost based itself really, uh, which is uh, which is quite nice. Well, but uh, you know, you know the, the left of center stuff uh, for, for Christmas is uh, is a little bit tricky because everybody is expecting the traditional. You know, so we don't we don't we don't push the boundaries too too far. Well, David, please stay with us. Uh, David Higgs joining us on the line from uh, 500 Restaurant. And while we wait for the Weight Watchers to recover from that <laughs> assault on them by uh, David. Uh, David, we've got Ian here in studio. And Ian's from uh, the uh, Giles Restaurant. Ian, you, you've, te- you've brought us a selection of starters as well, things that uh, perhaps we can use. And, and some meats. Uh, so this would be part of the main course? Or? Well, in terms of the main course, what we've done is um, with the turkey, we've actually deboned it did a, a nice pineapple and, and herb stuffing and then rolled it up and, and basically confit it. 
So essentially what David's talking with the butter, we did the same sort of thing, but uh, using a bit of goose fat and oil, and then slowly let that poach away. Um, thanks. <laughs> and let that poach away so it becomes really, really soft, and then all those flavors infuse. Mm. Uh, we're just having struggle in the studio with all the microphones and so many guests. So we have enough microphones, but usually not for this big <laughs> crowd. But uh, once again, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us, guys. If, if you'd like to call in about this, uh, what have you prepared? Tell us what you prepared for, you know, your festive season. Uh, are you preparing for a big meal, large groups of people? Are you preparing something more intimate, uh, smaller occasions, something you're looking for, perhaps uh, to set the scene, something romantic, uh, or are you just going to your mother's for for dinner? Uh, tell us about what you're doing this festive season what are you making for uh, your festive meal is it a dinner is it a luncheon and do you need some help or perhaps you have some help for us uh, give us a call 891 sms is shortly on 34701 now we've got Nambita in here uh, Pusaleto joining me and uh, Pusaleto I think you know for, for some of us and the producers were talking about this yesterday is, is can we do samp and beans for Christmas can, can we do mahodu for, for, for Christmas or is that or is that I mean is that just way out yes I think we can do mahodu for Christmas because you know every time people enjoy a traditional food I can say and you're actually going to bring us, my producer tell you, you just brought, you have brought a plate of mahudu for us. Yes. Okay, so we were going to try it. How, how many in the studio have tried mahudu? Has everyone tried it? <laughs> Ian, you've tried it? Yep, so every, everyone's tried it. I, I've, I've tried it as well. And, and it's, I, I, is it, is it um, an acquired taste, do you think? Or is it something that people immediately either love or hate? Is that, is that the feeling? I think it's like uh, Marmite. You either love it or you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I just the cooking process. So, <laughs> so do, you, do you use so much in your cooking? Not, not necessarily. I mean, I, I remember once I did a, I used tribe in one of my menus and I had some garlic herbs, and one guest said to me, "Listen, support. You know, we can understand we you're very international chef, but listen, keep to the tradition. Just keep cook, boil it with water and salt, and that's all you need in there. So, yeah. So it's something I wouldn't necessarily use myself on my menu, but considering what we have for considering South Africans and the international what you have they will definitely love something like that so my producers have just brought it in it's a, it's a definitely a very characteristic smell you know tribe is in the room <laughs> as soon as it walks into the room you know it's there it's hiding lurking around the corner but, but it's, it's really delicious I mean it's used in Indian cuisine as well we, we often use uh, tribe mahudu in, in the way that we cook curries is the end of, I mean easy to pair with the, with the wine or something to drink mahudu um Yes, actually. I do this with a white wine. Um, something that will cut through the grease. Um, it has to be very acidic. Oh, and the makudu is lovely. It's a delicious And the only time I actually eat makudu is when I'm at Nambita. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you prepare this? Because this is lovely. This is not what we traditionally would have... I mean, the, the, the smells, the flavors, and it's, it's very tender. Uh, we just boil it. It's simple. Boil it and when it's tender, you cut it and then use your onion and salt, pepper and... It's, it's, a, it's a no mess, no fast meal. What, what, what else do we have here? These look like knuckles, perhaps? <laughs> no? No. no. What, what, is it oxtail? Yes. Okay, so we've got oxtail in here. And how, how is that being prepared? Uh, oxtail, you More just you cut your food. onions... Green pepper, celery, and use a tomato puree, and you boil it for three hours to 
be tender. Okay, so oxtail takes a lot longer to cook. I mean, tripe, how, how long are we boiling it for? The same thing applies to mohod. You boil it for three hours. I mean, Ian, would that, would that be something that could sit well at, at your Christmas table? I mean, with your family, could you could you make oxtail or, or tripe? Oh, oxtail, definitely. I think uh, the tripe, I'd have to do something special with that. <laughs> and and what, what would that be? I mean, if you really wanted to jazz it up and make it a Christmas tripe, how, how would you do that? Just talk about being put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I'd actually probably take the same idea that Tepo did with the spring roll and, and probably work it into that. I think that would be fantastic. You know, you can work out a lot of flavor. Mm. Um, and it's nice in case, quite easy to eat. And you probably trick a lot of people as well, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> David Hicks uh, joining me on the line. David, for you, I mean, are, are, the, are there certain ingredients that, that you would just not use at Christmas, like no, tripe? No, or no, no <laughs> definitely. I mean, um, tripe is one of my favorites. Uh, you know, I grew up in a hostel, and <laughs> so it was sort of a staple food for us. And um, I think uh, one of my biggest challenges after leaving hostel was to, to tell myself to, how can I prepare this better? Surely I can, <laughs> surely I can do this better than uh, better than it's been done. So um, I think one of our biggest challenges is um, is to use the, 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 the what they call the sort of the cheaper cuts of meat um, to to show sort of versatility in the kitchen. Um, and I think the the best way to get away with this is to uh, is to obviously use it in conjunction with a more expensive cut. So if you're going to use a bit of tripe, uh, maybe incorporate uh, incorporate a bit of fillet with it on the side, so that you know you don't uh, you don't put everybody off. It's sort of there's a bit on the plate for everybody. Um, but you know my, my favourite is definitely uh, curry tripe. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can really, it's really hard oh, to tripe, do. Oh, tripe and gram doll, you're just making me think about my mum's home right <laughs> now. But, but Absolutely. David, I got this SMS, we were talking about it earlier, Tadakan, which which I said was just this vile <laughs> abomination. It's, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever <laughs> I, I mean, and, and I compare it to just really violating a turkey with with the, with the chicken and a, and a duck. But I got this SMS from Denton in Durban, he says, uh, your abomination Tadakan is to die for. Uh, enjoy a good festive season to you as well, Denton. But uh, is it to die for, do you think, David? <laughs> Look, I think the only reason why it becomes to die for is the, the addition of the duck. And then exactly what uh, what Ian was saying, you know, is to, when you poach things in duck fat, I mean, it just gets incredible, incredible flavor. Um, so look, tadakin done properly is uh, is not a it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not, uh, but it is a it does bo- it is borderline ridiculous, really. But um, uh, great uh, great flavour, especially with the addition of duck and um, and the duck. What the duck does, it keeps it quite uh, quite moist as well, especially with all the fat and everything else that's involved. So no, no, it's a good it's a it's a it's a good option, um, interesting option. So it's, it's a bit of a risk. You can't, it doesn't always come out proper. <laughs> Are there are there more riskier things to cook with? And uh, I'm thinking, uh, still of the offals, like like brain, for example, Tepo. I mean, is that something that that you would cook with? I, I know people, you know, it's again one of those things. You either love it or you you hate it, and perhaps it's more the sound of it of, of what you're eating that that people don't like. But is, I mean, is that something you'd cook with brain, liver, kidneys, uh, no, neck? Perhaps? No, definitely you would because you, what you starting to understand, you get some people that are very exquisitive. They just want to try new things. So you would have like something I would make it just on top of my head. I'm making onion ice cream. You know, it's something not on a day to day you would eat it, but it's just something people that are really prepared to try new things. And they, uh, in, you know, they want to try anything. Definitely, they'll go for something like that. So it's a matter of how you, as an individual, do you think out of the box? You just want to try, like for example, tribe. Some international guests will come around might not necessarily like that, but they would say, you know what, it's a South African dish. Let's try it. Mm.
So definitely. Well, let, let's t- look at some desserts now because uh, we've got about 12 minutes or so left on the program. Desserts, obviously, sort of the main occasion, some would say, at, at a festive time. Everyone's curious. Everyone brings something along. Uh, the fruit pudding is sort of the traditional one. But uh, if I can see you unwrapping a cake mm-hmm. there. So well, what have we got? We've got here uh, a traditional um, Christmas cake. Traditional. Traditional. That is one of those things. You know, like I said, my kind of food, you know, it's very diverse. Uh, but there's certain things that you just cannot mess around with. So you've, you've got what, marzipan on there? You've got uh, the fruits. Fruits, fruit cake. Uh, and, and what is it covered with? So you've got the white icing. Yes, there's a white icing on top of it. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and it's how, how long does it take to make something like this? To make the basic of it doesn't take long, but it's a matter of the more you, you marinate it, the more you mature it, it just tastes better, the more moist, and just. The, the alcohol also in there. It's just the longer you keep it, I mean, for example, like if you keep this, not necessarily until next year, we'll be pushing it, but the longer you keep it, definitely, the more it matures, like similar to wine, the more it matures, the more it tastes, it just tastes much better. And is that the same for store-bought cakes now? I mean, if, if you buy a fruit pudding, is, is it the same theory that if you keep it for longer, it's going to be just as good? Yes, I mean, definitely. I mean, should bear in mind, nowadays, I guess, that's the beauty of being a chef, that uh, you can necessarily play around with these whole things. I mean, now we've introduced things that you can have the same thing, you know, and you can definitely add certain ingredients on it whereby instead of taking it 12 months to mature it, you can do it within a week or two because there's certain things, ingredients they can definitely add into it. So, yeah, no, definitely. Oh, there's that. alcohol in here? Yes, there is alcohol. Okay, so there's lots of alcohol <laughs> in the studio. Yanda is smiling, of course, because Yanda, as she says, she wishes uh, she could drink more, I think. Is that right? <laughs> so what, what do you think about this cake? Well, we have our sister restaurant, Indulge, which has moved on to the premises, and they do these Christmas cakes for us. And we've got some for you to take home um, for also your producers. Oh, thank you. And I wish we could share them with all of our listeners. <laughs> but how, how can they get them? I mean, you just come over to Browns, come to um, 21 Vessels Road in Ravonia, and we do birthday cakes, Christmas cakes, wedding cakes. We do the most beautiful cakes. And um, the wonderful thing that we can do for you is that you just bring in your design. Um, I mean, I've done this before. I've just Googled a design, and they did it exactly to the T as I wanted it. They do, and they taste good. They don't just look good. They taste amazing. Because people want that personality with them and and sort of the exclusivity of of their meal, even if it's the dessert. They want something unique. I mean, Ian, is that that a big part of, of cooking, making something that just is, you know, attractive but, again, unique? Look, I think one of the, the big things nowadays, especially with one of the trends in food, is, is people want to create something, which is why you'll find a lot of places offering the ability to do something unique or do something your own. People want to feel like they're part of it. You know, it's not just a place you go and you eat. You want to have an experience. And I think that's a, a vital, vital role in it, is being able to add your two cents to it. It okay. makes it feel like it's more yours. Well, well, Seppo, oh, you've cut us a rather big <laughs> piece of cake there. I'm, I'm going to have a little bite about it. But I, I, I went in the last sort of 10 minutes of this show, look at some of the things we should consider when we're cooking. Um, I, I mean, do you consider your carbon footprint? Uh, do you consider what to do with, with, you know, food that you're just not going to eat? How, how would you handle wastage at, at restaurants? Oh, in your home. You can also tell us. 0891104283 David, I'd like to start with you. I mean, are, are these considerations for you at, at 500 you know, the carbon footprint, uh, genetically modified food, um, you know, uh, there's this, uh, this new concept of free food, or I don't know how free or, or new concept it is, but, but free range, organic, um, you know, I, I mean, are these considerations that you would take into account? 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we have to. There's, uh, you know, um, people look uh, people look to restaurants and chefs to to sort of lead the way and 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 to sort of set the trends. And if you're going to be importing everything and bringing everything in and uh, and cooking with it, then everybody's going to think, well, you know, if they're doing it, we're doing it. You know, uh, you know, what's the, what's the point? So, um, absolutely. You know, I one of the reasons for for coming to Joba was was opportunity and to and to also just get a feel for what was going up here. I've never been here in my life before, and I've been here for two years now and you know the, the suppliers that we've that we've that we've that we surrounded with um you know and when i say surrounded i mean uh, the midlands is, is a couple of hours away sure but i mean that they're literally down the road um Michalisburg, um Ulifansfontein, uh, literally anything that you want you can get in job that's the that's the incredible thing we really are surrounded by by incredible product and um, you know, people talk about Cape Town and having all this fantastic stuff. I mean, you know, uh, Joburg definitely doesn't need to stand back in, in that respect. So yes, we we have to support uh, local suppliers. Um, so it's not only about carbon footprint, but it's also about, it's about supporting local and creating job opportunities. Uh, without a doubt, um, we have a vegetable uh, vegetable garden on the premises, which a lot of guys are doing that, that are able to do it. Obviously, if you don't have the space, it's quite mm. tricky. Um, so uh, and it's incredible what it would have. How a vegetable garden sort of just changes the thinking about things, you know. Um, usually what you would do with, with menus is you'd start looking at the protein item first. So you'd say, okay, what's in season? We can get a bit of springbok, we can get this or that. Now you walk around in the vegetable garden and you see, oh, jeez, you know, these little radishes are coming up. What are we going to do with those? You know? And that then becomes, sort of takes pride of plate and then you sort of work around that. And, uh, and sort of the whole, the whole process is quite organic, potting, potting the pan, which is quite, <laughs> which is quite fun, you know. So, yeah, we, we have to, we have to support local and, uh, for a number of reasons, um, and not only obviously for carbon fruit, but. Well, it should be a consideration for us as well, because you get the freshest food if you pick those that are in the season. Uh, Ziemda, I, I noticed that with wines more, more recently, you find that the bottles are a little bit lighter and you think, oh, am I getting less wine? No, it's the same size bottle, but it's because of the carbon footprint. They're trying to lighten the weight of the bottle so that when they're transporting it from the Stellenbosch, for example, we're using less carbon emissions. I mean, is that a consideration when, when you know, we're at a restaurant? Is, is that something you look for when you're buying wine for a restaurant? Well, the trend is moving towards organic. I mean, there was that big buzzword, mm. organic, organic. But um, to, we're not necessarily always using certified organic. That is not necessarily always the best thing for the environment. I mean, I know some farmers, some producers who are using, they, 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 they're, not, they're not certified organic, but their main thing is to be um to 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 be diverse in the the the, the plants and that kind of thing on on the estate. So um, what is quite quite interestingly yes. is we've brought a port and it's called Footstomp. So I mean they haven't used any um any electricity to be making this wine. Um the ha- the, the label is handwritten. So again you just decrease in the carbon footprint on that. So what what does it mean when a wine is organic? Because people think if it's organic then I'm not gonna get a headache. Is that true? <laughs> not necessarily, yeah, no. Because that, that seems to be the perception. Oh, I'm drinking organic wine. I'm, I'm going to be fine later. I'm not going to have a headache. That just means well, you drink more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. You hear that from people, right? Well, there are different things that the, the, the producer has to do in order to be certified organic. They, there are only certain sprays that you can use. Um, there are certain fertilizers that you can use. So 
there are different things that you go through to, to be certified organic. But I don't think that organic is necessarily the best way. I mean, I've got some friends who are f- farming biodynamically, which is now in accordance to different phases of the moon. And also farmers are obviously farming like that. I and can't wait for the label to start appearing on restaurants. <laughs> Biodynamic food sounds great. Well, let, let's consider the last thing, which is what do we do with our leftovers? Um, and it's especially that time of year. Some may be critical of, of, of a show like this thing. We're having such a wonderful spread of food. We're indulging ourselves. What are we going to do with the leftovers? And what are we doing with the leftovers that we're making at home? So, at a restaurant, what, what do you do with your leftovers? I mean, there's always certain things you can definitely reuse, certain things you can definitely, I mean, there's offices out there you can definitely give away the food. And there's certain things that definitely can use. You can cook a whole duck. You know, the leftover, there's some meat on the bones. You can definitely use that, you know, those kind of, you can definitely reuse that. Sandwiches. Sandwiches and the likes of, you know, depending on whatever you want to do. But what about freezing food now? If you're making a soup, can you freeze or should it be in the fridge? And can you refreeze it if you defrost part of it? I mean, what's the rules around freezing and defreezing? You know, like there's... There's no really rules for anything when it comes to food, depending on what you want to do. You know, end of the day, it's about the secrets and how you definitely freeze it and how long you freeze it and how you're wrapping it, how you're storing it. So, yes, it's an, as in, me as a particular, as a chef, I wouldn't necessarily prefer the, the fresh, the better. But certain things, if you have to freeze them, you have to buy the secrets and how you actually freeze them and how long you keep them on the live shop. Are, are there certain no-nos? So, meats, of course, you can freeze, but are there certain meats you can't? Yes, for example, I mean, why would you want to fill the uh, a beef fillet? The when the, when it's fresh, when it's uh, matured, definitely tastes much better. Definitely, it's more. So yes, definitely, certain ingredients that you definitely cannot uh, freeze, and certain you can, you know, it. You can freeze pretty much anything, but the settings are better not being frozen. Oh. They just definitely can rather marinate it in a vacuum packet, and you can they can marinate, they can stay on the shelf for a lot more longer on the on the live shelf. Yeah, thing, sorry, yes, um, yeah. <laughs> I just want to mention. I mean, obviously, like with a the restaurant, there is a lot of wastage, and it's not necessarily the type of thing that you can give to. I mean, a shelter or a home. Um, what we are doing at Browns is that we're giving it to a dog shelter. Um, and that is the nice thing is that obviously then an, an animal shelter, then they can like eat that kind of thing. I mean, you can't, you know, necessarily give some of the stuff that we're using mm. that, that, that becomes way half eaten already, yeah. which is just so insensitive. I yes. Mean, we, we always talk about, well, are you donating clothes? But what kind of clothes are you donating? Is it your leftovers, things that are torn, or are you really donating something that someone else can use? But so, Lisa, for you, I mean, are, are there certain things that you should, if, for example, if you're freezing meat, once you've defrosted it, can you refreeze it again? No, definitely not. You can't defreeze meat. And is there any rule for that? I mean, what what happens here? I mean, is it does it just taste bad? I think it lost taste if you you defreeze, you defreeze it and put it back in in the fridge. It's, it's lost taste. Okay, so it loses taste, but I mean, yeah, is it bad for you? Look, if you look at things like uh, cost contamination, um, especially when it comes to reheating, obviously making sure that you're hitting your critical temperatures, and that's why, with regards to meat, you know, once you've cooked the meat, you've already taken it to its core, you, you've you've cooked it the way you want to have it done, then to refreeze it and then to reheat it, you're basically just destroying it. Mm-hmm. It's got no nutritional value. It, it's it's no good for you at all. Well, Ian Pusinetso. Zianda and Sepo, thank you very much for joining me in the studio. David Higgs is uh, still on the line. I'll give you the last word, David, just 30 seconds.
regarding freezing food. Well, with, with regards, just, I, I guess with <laughs> no, with regards to freezing food. But Don't I, I, do I, guess, it. I guess something that we should consider the day before Christmas Day. I mean, is there is there something that we, you know, perhaps you'd like to leave us with a thought or a tip or a trick? Look, I think. I think um, one of the things that I always remember as a child, um, uh, cooking uh, together in the kitchen and, uh, and spending time together in the kitchen is probably one of the one of the most awesome things. Um, it creates conversation and, and everything else. And I think that's really what Christmas is about. So instead of, uh, I'm probably shooting myself in the foot now. <laughs> instead of going out for dinner, and, uh, <laughs> I'm killing all the restaurant trade. Sorry, guys, but. Um, you know, uh, maybe yeah, maybe on Christmas Day or, or on Christmas Eve or whatever, spend some time in the kitchen together and uh, open a bottle of wine and uh, create conversation and probably do probably go a long way for for family life in South Africa. I'm going to um, quote you on that. David Higgs of 500 <laughs> Kitchen at the Saxon says, "Rather eat at home at this festive season." <laughs> That's eat. because he wants to be at home. <laughs> <laughs> 2013. Exactly. Eat odds. Pellegrino Chef of the Year, David Higgs. Thank you very much for joining us. Our guest Thanks, in studio me. from uh, Giles Restaurant, Ian Knox. Uh, Brown's uh, executive chef at uh, Sepo Labisa and uh, winemaker Ziander Tutu, Dan Fari, who joined me earlier on from Cafe Picabella in Melville, Nambita Restaurant, uh, joined in the studio by Pusala Simutlabi, and of course uh, all of our guests, Ian Lux, uh, joining me from uh, Giles Restaurant as well. Thank you so much for uh, your comments on the show as well. We did receive some SMSs and there were some Facebook comments as well for sharing your recipes. And if you'd like to do so, just uh, look at our Facebook page, AM Live on SAFM. I'm Darshan Mudley. Tomorrow we're talking about the uh, festive gatherings uh, how interesting are those festive gatherings especially in the light of different cultures and different traditions that uh, come together at this time of year but for, for myself Darshan Ridley and the rest of the team have a great morning morning talk up next with Ike Patla and your news at 9 with Kerit Lama